0: If you have your bibles. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting verse 11. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to speak to us today on the ministry of reconciliation or the greatest task ever. Everybody say others. Everybody say others starting in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter five. If you're not there, you can just pretend like you are because I'll put it on the screens behind me. This is at the ESV today. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Everybody say others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us. So you will be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. The New Living says those who boast about having an extravagant ministry, but not having sincerity of heart. A lot of people are striving today to have something that's extravagant. But if you strive for sincerity... The Bible says it this way in Matthew 6 and 33, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. So that means if you seek the things that are in God's heart, God will give you the things that people are seeking in their hearts. That directly relates to finances as well, because Matthew chapter 6, the context of that passage is about your daily needs. Amen. Continuing on. That's a different message for a different day. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Anybody here been called crazy because you go to a Pentecostal church? Am I the only person who's been called crazy because you go to the church on the highway? I've heard people say, you know, I play dumb. I really do, like for instance, Say I got to sell something on Marketplace or Craigslist or something. I'll say, hey, let's meet at that uh, big church on, on Route 6. The big white one? Yeah, let's, let's meet there. And I'll be out in the parking lot and, you know, what? I'll say, hey, did you ever go here before? Just to see what they say. I really, I really do this. One guy told me, he said, yeah. He goes, I think they swing off the chandeliers in there. <laughs> really, man? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. I said, well, at least they seem like nice people. Oh, yeah, they're nice people, though. Yeah, they're nice. You know, who, who gets the brunt of it even worse than that is our youth. Like, you think you, think you have a bad with, like, like a coworker, like, saying, like, like, a sly remark or somebody not, whatever. But our youth, you should hear the horror stories of going to public school and serving God and going to this church. Them bringing their friends I won't, I won't say who, because he's here this morning. But one of our youth was going into their senior year, uh, last year he brought friends to uh, like, like a whole tribe of them to, uh, to youth. And for weeks afterwards in school, his friend group like shunned him away from their group, would start rumors about him, say all kinds of crazy stuff because he brought them to youth. But here's where I'm going with the 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and verse 14 say, or 13 says this. In the New Living it says, "If we're crazy, it's for the glory of God, but if we're in our right mind, it's for your own benefit or the benefit of others." So that literally means that when people say you're crazy, yeah, you're right. Because if the world says that we're crazy for giving glory to God, if the world says we're crazy for what, believing what the Bible says concerning speaking in tongues. If the world says we're crazy for carrying the power of God, but yet yeah, they, they, they call getting blacked out drunk on a Friday night, that's normal. Living an unsober life is normal. Living a life uh, where, 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 where it's like a free-for-all, you sleep with whoever you want. Uh, you know, Suicide rates at an all-time high. They call that normal, but then they come in church and say, well, somebody fell down, so that's crazy. But yet yeah, yeah, they, they, they can they can wipe a 30-pack out on a Friday night and blackout drunk in the middle of the highway and we just say, that's normal. See, I'd much rather have the world consider me crazy yet be in right standing with God than the world applaud me and say, oh, you're so nice, you do good deeds, you feed the poor, you take care of kids, you clothe people. Listen, that's all well and good, but I'm not here for you. I'm not here for the approval of the world. You'd swear that most preachers are politicians. Let me rephrase that. It's where most Christians are politicians. Well, I wonder what my approval rating is. Let me tell you something. Approval ratings mean about as much as what you flushed down the toilet this morning. Praise God. Let's continue on. Verse 14. And if that offends you, my my dad's preaching next service. And I, I have actually, I set up an email now for complaints It's a, what's Tyler's email? Dross, three, two, five, six. (laughs) It'll get better, I promise. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might, or sorry, those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Or, another translation would say, we don't think of others as the way we see them. More on that in a little bit. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Thank God for that. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ Be reconciled to God. If you don't hear anything else I I, I say today, the crux of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our life ministry, everything revolves around this. You must be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verses 11 and 12 talk about this, that it is work to persuade others concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody say it's work. You know what really ticks me off? Lazy Christianity. Oh, we're all just saved by grace, brother. Yeah, that's Ephesians chapter two and verse eight. It says we're saved by grace through faith, not that anybody should boast. That's concerning the salvation of yourself. But preaching the gospel takes work. You might not believe me, but my wife and my kids have a firsthand revelation of this. When I put them to bed and I'm up until the wee hours of the morning working on something of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it's work to persuade others. That's why I don't buy it when people say, well, you know, I'm just led by the Holy Spirit when I preach. So what do you mean? You don't work? Hello. Does not the Bible say to study to show yourself approved? That's why you can't be a fool and serve God at the same time. It's work. You know what that means? If you're not reading your Bible and praying, then get up an hour hour earlier every morning. Put in the work. I know, it's not really, I'll shout, shout you down. Praise God, I can't wait to get up Monday morning at five instead of six. Maybe get up at five, get up at four. Praise God. I know, super popular message. This is gonna make me a famous Instagram preacher. It's work persuading people. You can ask our, 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 our youth volunteers this. We don't just shoot from the hip. Praise God, I'll continue on. Verse 13, I touched on it before. God uses both your rational and your irrational. Here's three keys to carrying out the greatest task. Three three keys to the ministry of reconciliation. I hope you take notes, because if you don't, you won't remember what I said, and for some of you, that's gonna be a blessing. Number one, everybody say number one. We must first be one with Jesus. We must first be one with Christ. Verses 14 through 15, now in the New Living, says this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Anybody here, you have a testimony? Maybe you live some adult years away from God, and then somebody meets up with you now, and they'll say, hey, you're different now. I won't say who, but... uh, There's one of my favorite people in this church. You guys are all my favorites, but this guy's extra special because he has a story for everything. And uh, one time I was was up in La Plume, Nicholson area, and I was waiting on a friend of mine to get done. I think they're taking a picture or something like that, and I was waiting downstairs, and this girl's father comes down. He says, who are you? He said, Hi, I'm Kyle. So we got talking, and he was about the same age as this guy from the same town. And I said, Do you know so and so? He says, His eyes got real big. What? Why are you asking me that? And I said, so I'm just asking if, if you know so and so. He goes, How do you know them? He was like angry in his voice, yet at the same time scared. So I go to church with him. Church? So and so? I told the guy this this week. He goes, no. I said, he's on the board. Just narrows it down a little bit more. Now, this is a few years ago. I said, he's on the board. The board of the church would have someone like that on? You've got to be kidding me. I said, yeah, he's one of the good ones. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Again, this was years ago. You You can hate this message, and I'll still love you. I said, he goes, I can't believe that he says, I think the church roof would fall down on him if he walked in there. I said, no, I'm pretty sure the roof's still still up. In fact, he helped build the church. The guy's walking, I cannot believe. And I said to him, I said, said, you know what? And, And he mentioned it. He goes, well, what about his brother, you know? And he said to me, he said, they were the most wild people I ever met in my life. And he started telling stories and he was telling me the same stories that this man has told me for years now. And I said, "Well, he's a he's a different person now." He goes, "Oh, I guess so." Anybody else have a similar experience when someone says you, "Well, I want the old person back." Well, I'm sorry, they're dead. See, some of you need to have a funeral. Not just for your old man, but your old stuff. It's time that we that we we dig we dig we redig the grave and put the old man back in. Because we get saved and we don't get a tune-up when we get saved, we become a new person when we get saved. It's not that you get saved and you you kind of you're kind of like a pig with 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 lipstick, on. No, you get saved and you're a new creation. You get saved, and that old man is dead, and the new life has come. See, reconciliation is important. Everybody say reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation is important to each other. We should be reconciled. Anybody here, like you hate having beef with people. Anybody else other than me? I'm a confrontational person. So in other words, if I have a problem with you, I'm going to come and we're going to have a conversation about it. That sounds crazy, but that's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18. So I'd just rather be justified with God. And if you don't like it, that's okay. And I, I... and there's some people here who can attest to this because we've had some difficult conversations. I can have a conversation with you and you can get mad and, and, and I can tell you my frustrations. And I, I, I'll tell you, listen, I forgive you and I love you. And I, we move on and that's the last that, that you ever hear about it. Amen? However, it's important to be reconciled to people, but it's more important that we get reconciled to God. See, you can't love people right until you love Jesus right. Too many people are trying to figure out why there's problems in their relationships. Well, I don't understand why there's a problem in my marriage. I don't understand why my kids, they don't, they don't like me and the, all this stuff, and I try to force them to go to church. Well, instead of trying to do that, how about you get your relationship with Christ right and your other stuff will fall into place? Amen. You can't love people right until you love God right. Hello. See, today it's easy to see problems in the world. You can turn on the news, I advise you not to. You can pick up the paper, I definitely advise you not to do that. You should just cancel your paper subscription. Because why would you read the bad news every day and get it shipped to your house? So I don't watch the news. About 10 days ago or so, I was at someone's house and they they had Fox News on. Which seems to be a little bit better than the rest of them. But even on Fox News, they started saying things that were terrible. And I jumped up and I said, these guys, I said, these guys are so crooked. I'm talking about the media. And I said, obviously, they must be paid off or something. And if, if you feed on that news all day, what happens? Your attitude starts to get weaned down. So I'm like sitting there and I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm, I'm tuned out from the news and I'm working on something. I said, I don't want to focus on what's going on and I'm working on something, a project I was working on, and I feel like a heaviness come upon me. And uh, so I jumped, I was like, turn this off. Either I'm leaving or you're turning this off. I'm not gonna sit here and listen to negativity 24/7." Hello. See, what you fill your mind with is what's gonna affect people around you. But it's easy to see problems in the world today. Teen suicide, any suicide for that, moment, that, that part. Drugs, addiction, racism, brokenness. It's pretty easy to see it. There's problems that face our country. But the problems that we face aren't just political. Everybody say political. But they're actually spiritual. So what happens is we see a problem and we say, well, what we need to do is we need to get out. We need to do this, this, and that. But God's not calling you to do that. God's calling you to get your relationship back to him. Someone's going to get mad about this. If you went out and you marched, congratulations, that's great. But if you, if you did that and not attended a prayer meeting, it's time to get saved again. If you made a social media post and, and, and with your little hashtags and everything like that, but you didn't call people back to repentance and to reconcile to God, you need to check your heart. I'm not your politician. I'm a preacher here today of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means I got no political affiliation, no dog in the fight. I just love Jesus and love you enough to tell you the truth. It's easy to see problems in the world. Anybody, listen, anybody could be a thermostat. Uh, sorry, a thermometer. It takes a real person to be a thermostat. Walking in the room, it's too cold. It's too hot. The songs aren't right. This, this isn't right. Like, this is wrong in the church and this is wrong. Anybody can do that, but can you change the atmosphere around you? Me and my buddy Joe, we were hanging out when I was just maybe eight, nine years old down in Peckville. I used to go with my dad to the office down the old church. And my friend lived about three blocks down. And we'd go, we'd hang out. We'd get Joey's pizza. I can get two slices and a Coke for four bucks. Then I can go over to the Alpine Squirrel and I can get a, that's just right, I said squirrel. And, and I can get an iceberg, which is the ice cream they had at the, the bottom of the machine, frozen for 25 cents. Tax and everything, five bucks, I can enjoy my day a little bit more than that today. This is about 15 years ago. Well, we, I've always been attracted to junk. And so we we're, were walking and somebody was throwing out two scooters. And so me and Joe go over and we grab these scooters and we get spray paint and we're painting these things up and putting stickers on them and we're talking and we're all excited. And some little girl comes around the corner by the old church, she says, hey, what are you doing? And he said, well, we're, we're, we have, these are scooters and, and, and you know we're gonna paint this one blue and this one's gonna be red and we're gonna race them and all that stuff. She goes, well, I want it. And Joe says, this is my scooter, get out of here. She goes, well, I want yours. I said, no, this is mine. She goes, well, I'm getting my big brother and my big brother's gonna come. He's gonna beat you up. And so I'm like, okay. And she lived in the apartment building right next to the church. So she goes upstairs and I hear her say, Johnny. Huh? Listen, well, the kid was 13, but he sounded like a trucker, okay? There's boys who are being mean to me outside. Oh, no one picks on my sister. And you hear stomping. I ran so fast into the old church. Went upstairs to my dad and said, Dad, uh, uh, I'm in trouble. What do you mean? Well, I was outside and there's these scooters. The girls wanted the scooters and I was like, he goes, well, let's go talk to them. So here comes little Sally with little Johnny behind her. And Johnny, to me, looked big. But in my eight, nine-year-old mind, my dad was like a Nephilim. You know, he was like a giant. And so here comes Johnny around the corner, and he sees my dad, and he stops dead in his tracks and turns around, and I never saw them again. How many know that my, my eight, nine-year-old strength didn't, didn't conquer Johnny's strength? It was the fact that I was unified with my father. See, what we're doing today as a nation is we're trying to fight in our little eight and nine-year-old strength instead of going to our father and saying, Dad, I wanna be one with you. Would you join my team? Would you get into a battle that I can't win on my own? Would you stand between Sally and Johnny and say, you can't touch my kids anymore? Instead of getting all, all worked up and say, you know what, well, I'm just gonna do this. And I'm just, No, get your father involved. Go to your dad and say, Dad, there's a battle that I can't face on my own. It's important to be reconciled with each other. It's important to have unity together. But it's more important that you're reconciled with God first. We're dead to self. We're alive in Christ. And can I just say this? You didn't just because we preach this right, and I, I I'm, I'm guilty of this. I preach we got we got to be selfless. We got to die to ourselves. There's there's unreached people groups, and I understand that. But when we're dying to ourselves, we don't just die to ourself for ourselves. You didn't catch that. We didn't. We don't die to ourselves, for ourselves, we actually die to ourselves for the sake of other people. Let me unpack this for you. When you die to yourself, like like for instance, maybe you walked in here today and and you're trying to get over the the battle with addiction or maybe you walked in here today and you're trying to get free from selfishness or maybe you walked in here today and and, and anger floods your mind or something like that. You're not trying to get out of that to, to win the approval of God. You're trying to get out of that so you can get free and help other people. Hello. It's like, we think this, well, if I just stopped smoking, then God would love me more. No, he's going to love you regardless. I'm not saying you shouldn't stop smoking. I'm saying this, once you get over that addiction, now God can use you in a more powerful way. The ministry of reconciliation is not about, well, I better get my relationship right with God so that way it can just be me and Jesus in an ivory tower somewhere. No, I get my relationship with God right so I can walk out as an empowered witness of the Holy Spirit and fire. And where the Bible says that Christ's love controls us, what that actually means is that Christ's love surrounds you. You see, when I had to face little Sally and little Johnny, I was surrounded by my father's love. And it didn't matter what Johnny looked like or the fact that he sounded like a trucker, because I was surrounded by my dad. See, you really can't love others right until you have a relationship with Jesus right. But it's because that relationship with Jesus is right that compels you to the lost. First key, we must be one with Jesus. Second key, Get a new mindset, everybody say a new mindset. Verses 16 and 17 says, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. See, our mind is a powerful thing. I gave this analogy to the youth last night, probably not a very good analogy, because it's graphic. But if you were to walk into a room and there was somebody laid out on the carpet with stab wounds in their chest, covered in blood, and you walked into that room, and you saw somebody standing over them. They also covered in blood, holding a knife. What's your immediate thought? You just witnessed something graphic happening, something tragic happening. The murder just happened. Well, what you didn't see was five minutes before that, that the actual perpetrator came in and committed the crime and that person walked in to save the other person. What does that mean? Your mind determines your reality. How you perceive things determines your reality. That's why you should never be quick to post. That's why you should never be quick to, oh, well, did you see what they said? And Did you see this thing? No, you should never get all worked up. You should get all prayed up. Can I say this? You should pray before you post. And, boy, I'm preaching to myself here. If you don't have peace about it, it's probably not anything of the power of God. People get all worked up. Well, we need, to, we, we need to be doing this and that. No, we need to be getting right with God first. You see, because what your mind does to you is it lies to you. There's a saying uh, that people say, it's this. Believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. That's because how you perceive things should always be weighed against your reason. So when you see something, you know, I noticed there's not a single thing that's happened that's actually affected me personally, that they've ever put on the news, that they've ever published in a paper. I'm running my race. Let me say this. If they never started you, they can't stop you. So be careful that you don't give mind to people who aren't a part of your race, your, your physical race, not your, not your you know white, black, purple, brown, green. You're a Martian, have two antennas. I don't know. Get myself in trouble real quick here. Anybody else ever have a moment? Am I the only person who something goes wrong and the first thing you think, and excuse my French, but you say, man, this sucks. This is terrible. Why'd this go wrong? Nathan can attest to this. Try to help someone out. I'm running a chainsaw. The, the chain snaps off the bar, gets all bound up in the saw. And that blessing becomes a curse immediately. That thing that you admired so much and you wanted and you worked for so hard, all of a sudden you throw it out. Man, this thing's such a piece of junk. Are you kidding me? Me and Nathan were doing a little project. I jumped in my truck. He got in with me. Go over to Tractor Supply. The lady sells me the wrong chain. And she swears, this is what you need. I'm, t- I'm like, ma'am, I don't think, this is what you need. I'm telling you, this is, okay, fine. I'm going to buy it just to appease you. I go back, it doesn't fit. So then I go back to Tractor Supply. I got to return the chain and then they don't have the right chain. And so now I've got a mess around me. And Nathan could attest to this. I went from being like, a joy-filled Christian to about ready to drive my fist through my windshield of my truck, you know? I know you've never had that. We were just all so perfect. We float <laughs> on clouds. We never have a bad thought. We never say anything we don't mean. I mean, I'm like kicking rocks, and I'm like, man, I'm gonna have to apologize to Nathan later, <laughs> you know? Going back and forth, and, nothing, and I'm telling them, like, man, today's like Murphy's Law. What's going on? Well, you know. And then you step back, and you feel that gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying to him, man, I got to drink so much stinking water. It's so humid. It's so hot today. And then I'm thinking, man, there's people that we're feeding in Kenya, Africa, who don't even have water. Man, my, my, my boots are so hot, man. Why did I buy insulated boots? This is re- there's people who don't even have soda cans to put underneath their feet. And you're complaining about what? You see how you see things. So I, and this is a trained practice for me. I'm definitely not a pro at this. I'm still a, a, a newbie in this area, but I actually have to make a conscious decision to be thankful in all things. Anybody else here, more type A, perfectionist, everything has to be right and in line, everything like that. And then it takes one little thing to go wrong. And all of a sudden it's like, you're not saved, you know? And if there's not coffee involved, it's not worth going to anyways, you know? Praise God. <laughs> but you fly off the handle. You'll say, man, this is ridiculous. Well, why do these only things only happen when it's so hot outside? Why do these things, on-? And, and you start complaining and complaining and complaining, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just speaks to you and says, hey, you really don't have it that bad. I saw this picture one time. Uh, it, it was a guy driving a brand new Corvette Red, quad tip exhaust in the back, seven speed transmission. And the guy pulls up next to him in a Ford Pinto and he's looking over at that guy and he's saying, man, I wish I had that car. Why can't I have that car? The guy in the bicycle pulls up next to the guy in the Pinto and he says, man, I wish I had a car. I wouldn't have to bicycle to work every day. The guy walks up to the guy next to the bicycle and says, man, I wish I had a bicycle so I didn't have to you know, walk to work. I could bicycle to work. There's a guy up in the apartment building in a wheelchair looking out and saying, man, I just, I wish I had legs and I can be outside today. You see, your perspective is everything. Wow, well, I, I don't know why, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to go get a big note on a, on a new truck. Because... See, what, what happens is you start comparing yourself with other people and you get frustrated because what you're doing is you're looking at other people, not looking at the author and the perfector of your faith. The Bible says that we're supposed to be thankful in all things, and that is a discipline. That, that, that takes work to say, listen, uh, I, I know that the, the people have nicer things, but I'm going to keep seeking God's kingdom first. I'm going to keep tithing. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep working my tail off. And listen, I know that one day God's going to elevate me to the place that people are going to look at me and say, I wish I had what that guy wants. And I could say, listen, that's not because of my own doing. That's because I kept my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith and if he did it for me he doesn't have favorites he'll do it for you and for you and for you you see when you keep your eyes on Jesus you don't have to take the glory for yourself but it's a mindset it's a discipline Uh, I think this, you know, you work whatever, you know, a short day, 14, 15 hours, you get home, you're dog tired, and you think, man, I wish I didn't have to work such long days. Other people only have to work eight days. You know, there's people who would die to be working who are sitting in ICU units down in CMC. It's just a change of perspective. And can I say this? I'm more privy to complaining. I'm more privy to be the guy to say, man, this is terrible. Let's get out of here. What what the heck are we doing? But then the Holy Spirit will give you that gentle nudge and say, son, you really don't have it that bad. How does this take discipline? First Corinthians 2 and 16, the latter part of the verse is this, but we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. The, mind's, the mind is an important and a powerful thing, but you have to understand this. When you see things the way that God sees them, you'll be less privy to complaining and comparing and striving for the things that God has for you just a little down the line. My son Clayton yesterday, I was rushing around in the morning. I had a little project I had to do. I had youth at night and I just wanted to get home, have lunch with my family and just see my boys. And so I I, I get home and I'm a little bit tired going all morning, and me and Clayton were, were playing with this little little green ball, right? And for the first time yesterday, Clayton actually caught the ball. Usually he just puts his hands out, and I throw him the ball, and it hits his hands, and it rolls, and he picks it up, and he throws it back to me. And he was so impressed that he caught that ball, that all of a sudden, it wasn't like 30 seconds. I mean, a long time passed, and we're just sitting there playing catch, just father and son. So Clayton... Listen, you can call me a bad parent. It is what it is. I throw that ball as far as I can. So that way I have time. I don't get worn out. I'm sure I'm the only guy who's ever done that, right? Go ahead, Clayton. So I can check this text message. No, I'm just kidding. No, you guys have never done that. You're so perfect. You're so awesome. So I throw the ball. Then Clayton picks up the ball. And I was, I don't know what I was doing. I, I, I might've got a call or something like that. And now he lost his ball. And it, I'm telling you, it's like nothing else in the world. World hunger, that was an afterthought. The fact that people have the gospel, but now click, ball, where is ball? Ball. And he knows exactly where to go to. He doesn't go to dad. He goes to mom. Mama, ball, ball. And he goes over the, 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 the oven. He can't see up over it. And I could see it. He goes, ball up there, ball up there. And she says, no, son, the ball's not up there. I'm sorry, you lost the ball. <laughs> Where is ball? So anyways, a little time passed. I grabbed my laptop. I had to work a little bit on my message. I sit down on my seat. And for the first time in a long time, Clayton's not very, he's not a lovey-dovey type. He's just go, 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 go. And so he climbs up in my lap and he sits down and I was looking at trucks online. And he says, I like the blue one, I like the red one, I like the green one, and we're looking at trucks. And from at this point, I could see the ball from where I'm seated, but he can't see it because he's not seated with me. Then when he climbs up, he takes his attention off of my laptop and goes, it's there, and he runs so fast out of my lap and grabs that ball, and he's so and he's carrying around so proud of himself. Ball, ball, and he's telling his brother ball. But you know he couldn't see the things I could see until he was seated with his father. Ephesians chapter one says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You can't have the mind of Christ until you're connected with Christ. Just as my son couldn't see that little two-inch ball from his little two-year-old standpoint. You see, when he's with his dad, he rides up on the high places, what Isaiah says. And when he's up on the high places, now he has a greater aerial view. He has the view of his father. Isn't that just like the church now? running around, ball, I want my ball. Well, if you just get with your father, then you can see all the things that your father sees. How does this relate to the ministry of reconciliation? Perfectly, actually, because when you start seeing people who are lost and they need reconciled to God, this is what I've learned. When you pray for that person, you can't, when you go to God, oh God, will you know how terrible they are, Lord? And you know how small minded those people are. They're so rotten. No, when you go to God, you pray for them. He already knows those things. And you pray, Lord, empower me with the Holy Spirit. Give me an opportunity to preach the gospel to them. And when you leave empowered by the Holy Spirit, you don't go to other people and say, well, I just wish you could see the things the way that I see them because you're some left lost and lonely, dirty sinner. No. Start including them. Start seeing them through eyes of faith. Romans chapter 4. Start seeing in the way that your father sees them justified just as if they never sinned because of what Christ has done for them. See, God sees them and he knows the beginning from the end. So he already sees your prodigals who have come home. He already sees the backslidden coming back and right standing with him. He already sees that revivalist finished. He already sees Thrive Church in Honesdale full to the glory of God. He already sees the other campuses popped up. So when we, we drive by those places, we don't, oh, look at that, t-. who would ever wanna live there? What would a t- No, we see things through the eyes of faith. You might see giants in the land. Yeah, we see giants too, just like in Numbers, the spies, they, they, they saw giants, but the others didn't focus on the giants, they focused on the fruit. It's time that we start focusing on the fruit. Man, you know, m- maybe maybe it's your husband or your wife or your child right now, and they're away from God. Just start focusing on the good things they're doing doesn't mean that you ignore the sin. You just start reconciling the men. Just start talking to them like they're saved. Well, how was church today? Saw you went to church. Oh, it was great. A bunch of people got saved. Isn't that great? Praise God. Lastly today. My question is, and I close at this. Why are you alive? Because all this is a tall order. If we be honest, for us to see people through the eyes of faith and not see them and identify them as their problems, Just like in Mark chapter five, verses 25 through 34, the Bible records the woman as the woman with issue of blood, yet Jesus through his eyes and through his mind called her daughter while everybody else identified her with her issues. So as I look across this congregation today, I'm well aware in the natural that people struggle, that people go through things But I see through eyes of faith. And just like Romans chapter four says, we call those things not as they are, but as they're going to be. Instead of of referring to your backslidden son as some filthy old sinner, just start declaring every morning, he's a child of God. Anybody can be a thermometer. It's time to be a thermostat. I feel like ours is broken because I'm sweating this morning, praise God. My question today is why are you alive? Read these verses. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Now, the Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. Is that correct? Who's the Holy Spirit been given to? It's not a trick question, that's us. Don't shoot me, I'm just the messenger. Does not the Bible say that we're responsible to reconcile people to God? According to what we just read, that God has now given us If I give John a hundred dollar bill this morning, I'm not gonna do it, but if I did, is that is that is that my responsibility to spend that money now? So now God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So let me ask you this Is what you're living for worth his dying for? Is what you're living for right now, is that worth what Jesus died for at Calvary? How do you spend your week? Some of you work 40 hours. I used to have a part-time job too. I'm just kidding. But. And then you get in church. And if the preacher goes more than 40 minutes, I just wish he'd get over with. Now listen, if the preacher's not good, I wish they would get over with it too. Like, I would rather listen to four, 400 minutes of anointed preaching than four seconds of somebody who doesn't carry an ounce of the anointing of God. I'm like, just please quit now, you know. I'd rather listen to the word of God until the cows come home than listen to someone's opinion for a second. I'd rather listen to the word of God preached underneath the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit all day than I would hear about some trendy thing. Should you work? Yes, the Bible says you should work. Should you have fun? Yeah, the, Bible, the Bible's very pro-fun. I was gonna say that's why you're married, but then anyways, <laughs> some of you'll get that when you go home. I was riding in the car the other day with, with Luke Thompson. And we were talking about a specific business model and idea. And I said to him this, I said, you know, if you were to talk to me for the last five minutes, you would never know that I'm a youth pastor over the last five minutes. I said, but what people don't see is the reason that we hustle is so that it all funnels back to the one thing. For instance, I'm not saying go resign and quit your jobs so you can go and pray and read your Bible all day because that would be against the Bible." But you have to understand that the reason you're even working a job is to be the light of Christ in your job site. The reason you even own that possession you have right now is because, because God said, I'm going to have him manage that for this time period. Because we get caught in the rat race. Maybe you don't. But I think, man, I got to get this done and this done and this done. We're going to do this and do that and do that. But what are you really doing it for anyways? Can I say this? You don't go to Walmart to get groceries. That's secondary. You go to Walmart to be a missionary in those aisles and then get groceries or Walmart or Wegmans or the Wee Is or the Quince or whatever you go to. If you don't know what the We Is is, just go by Weiss next time, and read the sign. Praise God. We Is. What's the reason that you're alive? I don't care if you drive a dump truck for a living, if you teach school, if you work at an auto mechanic store, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, the only reason that you're there, let me put it this way, you're created by God and for God. In other words, before God ever laid the foundations of the earth, he said, you know what? I'm gonna have a little brother over there, John, and he's gonna lay a stone to the glory of God. And when he's on that job site, and I'm just going to brag on John here for a second. He's the gray fox with the mullet over there, and glasses, praise God. Sings. He says, I'm going to place him there in that job site so he can be a light to other people. And John's led people to Christ on the job site, he's been able to pray with people. Maybe you're a waitress, a waiter. You're not there to serve food. You're there to be the light of Christ. Relates back to the message. You're there for the ministry of reconciliation. See, once you realize that you've died to self, see, dead men don't have opinions. Dead men don't have agendas. You're simply controlled by the love of Christ. So wherever you go, the reason that you're there is secondary to the ministry of reconciliation. I've been able to pray for people, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles outside the church house because I have this realization that I don't live for Kyle Drost anymore. People get upset. Well, that church, they talk about money. I'm sorry, I never thought it was your money to begin with. Hello. Twice, God has spoken to my wife and I just to empty out our bank account. Start from scratch all over again. Everything, all accounts, wipe them dry and give it. And it didn't hurt because it's not my money. Leonard Ravenhill one time was hosting a, a prayer meeting And uh, a guy came in and he says, man, I I got a yacht. I got a Porsche, got a house in Fiji. And he says, all this means nothing to me. And Len was behind his Bible and he just reached out his hand like this. The guy looked at him and said, come on. Oh, it doesn't mean anything to you, right? and the man went away very sad. What are we living for? I don't hustle so I can have a nice car or a nicer house. All that's secondary. We work hard for the ministry of reconciliation. Let me say this as well. The more you're reconciled to God and you understand, like, when I first got saved at four years old, if I'd backslide, I'm not really affecting that many people. But now 20 years later, God's entrusted me with a ministry, with a marriage and a family and a household. And if I was to backslide now, I'd bring a lot of people with me because the responsibility is greater. What can God entrust you with? It's quiet because people are thinking. Why are we alive? I quote Matthew chapter six when I say, isn't your life more than eating? All you're striving for, you should strive. You should work. You should hustle. Matter of fact, you should out-hustle everybody around you. When you come to the work site, your, your boss should fight to keep you because no one works as hard as that girl or that guy. Pe- pe- people should look, look at you and say, man, that, that, that guy is full of integrity and character and hard work, but you don't do that so you could say, well, man, look at me. You know, I, I cranked out. All-. No, you do that so you could say, I'm here for the ministry of reconciling people back to God. Talked to a young person last night. And he said to me, he said, man, he said, he's been saved two weeks. He got saved at our homecoming gala. He was there last night. He said, man, he said, I just, I get so upset. So, well, tell me, what's your frustration? He goes, man, he said I just start judging people. He says, I just start I just think, man, I don't like this guy. I don't like that guy. And he said to me, he said, how, how, how do I get out of that? How do, how do I get up constant looking down at people? I said, you do it by understanding that everybody is on a journey and you're there to help others on their journey. You're created by God and for God and for what God desires, that all would be saved, according to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. So what are you living for today? If you had to write down one word, if your life boiled down to one word, would that word be money or success or how much time you saved in church? Or would that boil down to souls? God's desires, two words, but we'll group them as one. So what does it all boil down to? C.T. Studd said this, some wanna live within the sound of a church bell. I wanna run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. See, when you seek what God wants, He'll make sure He takes care of the things that are in your life. Amen? Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media, at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time and remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.